Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. There is a lot that I love about this story of Mary and Martha and Jesus. I love it because it's this tiny slice of very real life. It's how families and siblings work when company comes over. It is just honestly domestic, and I like that. I like it as well because the introvert in me, which is strong, loves the idea of not having to play hostess and make small talk like Martha does, but just getting to hang out quietly at Jesus' feet like Mary does. And I love it because it always makes me wonder if maybe this is the biblical license I'm looking for to not bother with cleaning house and doing laundry. I think, you know, the loaves and fishes was great, but I think the real miracle would be if Jesus could make, like, a basket of laundry last for three weeks. That would be great. But I have some problems with this story, too. And some of the problems are, come from the way this passage is often badly interpreted. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But if I'm honest, the main reason I don't like this passage is because with all of my introverted tendencies aside, I find that often I'm more like Martha than I am like Mary. And I suspect I am not alone. We live in a very Martha culture, one that is focused on activity and busyness and productivity above or at the expense of almost everything else. And when we combine that kind of focus on activity with our commitment to follow Jesus, it becomes really easy to slip into what my college pastor used to call the come-get-tired-for-Jesus model of discipleship. And one of the problems with that model of discipleship is that it threatens to let doing stuff for Jesus crowd out actually being with Jesus. But intimacy is what Jesus was all about. Jesus had a relationship of deep intimacy with his father, and he had relationships of deep intimacy with his disciples. And he invited his disciples into the kind of intimacy with his father that he had. He invites us into that kind of intimacy. And that is an invitation that we should not pass up. So let's recap this story a little bit. Jesus and his disciples are walking along. Remember, they are heading toward Jerusalem. Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. Last week, which is just previous to this in the text, Jesus had taught about the Good Samaritan. And now they are coming into the town of Bethany. We know that because in John's gospel, it says that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus lived in Bethany and that they were all good friends of Jesus's. So Jesus and his band of merry men show up in Bethany and Martha, like any good host, invites them over. There are a couple things for us to notice in this passage. First, it says... 
a woman named Martha invited them into her house. It doesn't actually even mention Lazarus in this version of the story, or, and, and this account of, of Mary and Martha. And it suggests that Martha is actually the head of the household here. She is the one in the position to offer hospitality. And it suggests that there's some prior relationship and friendship between Jesus and and this family, as John's Gospel tells us. So think about what you do when company comes over. What do you do? You clean the bathroom, maybe you iron the tablecloth, fix something a little bit special for dinner. You take up all the stuff that's taken over your living room and your dining table. You stash it in your bedroom and you close the door. Maybe that's what you do. And basically that is what Martha is doing here. She wants to be a good host. And so she's busy doing all the things that a good host does. And as her feet are beginning to hurt from all the running around... And the sweat that's breaking on her forehead is causing her makeup to run. She looks around and she sees her sister over in the living room. Mary's sitting quietly at Jesus' feet. She seems perfectly comfortable, not a bead of sweat in sight. And she seems to have just this sort of aura of peace radiating from her. Martha sees her sister and she is ticked. You can imagine her sort of stomping around a little bit, huffing every time she opens a drawer or closes a cabinet. Finally, she can't stand it anymore. She takes a deep breath, grabs a pitcher of water, pours a glass full, calmly takes it into Jesus, bends down to hand it to him, And with a smile on her face and ice in her voice, she says in a very loud stage whisper that Mary is sure to hear, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come help me. It's sort of the adult version of, Mom, Johnny's not sharing his toys with me. And I think that what Jesus does is he takes that glass of water and he takes Martha's hand in his. And if there is such a thing as loving exasperation, I think that maybe that was what was in his voice. Martha, Martha, you're so anxious. You've thrown this wonderful party And you have a beautiful house, and you have fed us great food, but you're worried about so many things, and there's something you don't have. And I picture him gently pulling Martha to sit down on the couch next to him. Maybe he hands her his water. Maybe he puts a footstool under her feet. Today, he says, Your sister's chosen a really good thing, to sit here with me. That's something that can never be taken away. Even after all of the dishes are washed and the food is gone, this time with me can never be taken away. 
You'll notice, of course, that the words I used aren't exactly the ones in the text. I've used a little bit of imagination. And I've done that because I, I want us to avoid what I think often happens in reading this text. And that, that is that we see Jesus as pitting Mary against Martha and chastising Martha instead of loving her. Often this text gets interpreted as meaning that a life of contemplation, of just sitting at Jesus' feet in adoration and prayer, is superior to a life of serving. But there are problems with that. For one, that denigrates the real and the immense work that people do day in and day out to serve others. Work that is real, that is valuable, And specifically, it denigrates domestic work, which historically and even now is primarily the work of women. And if this story shows anything, it shows that Jesus values women. He doesn't denigrate them. Because in the culture of that time, Mary had no business sitting at Jesus' feet. That was the position that a student took of their rabbi, their teacher. Mary had no business sitting at his feet, and Jesus had no business having her there as his student. But he welcomed her. So anything, any interpretation of this story that would denigrate or degrade the value of what women brought to the culture isn't in keeping at all with what Jesus does here. And to imagine that the story is all about privileging the contemplative over the active, prayer over service, to imagine that ignores that Jesus himself did a whole lot of service. I mean, think about washing feet, the most menial of domestic tasks. So there's no way that Jesus could look down on the role of service here, and then go laud it and call his disciples to it elsewhere. So if that's not what Jesus is doing here, then what is he doing? I think he's doing two things. I think he is calling into question Martha's motivation for her service. And I think he is giving her a picture of intimacy with him that is both the source and the fruit of real discipleship. So first, motivation. Again, Jesus is not knocking hospitality. Jesus loved a good party, and he appreciated hospitality, and he extended hospitality to others. I think what he is implicitly asking Martha is, why? Why are you making yourself so anxious in your serving? Is it because it's what makes you think you have value? Is it because it's what's going to make you feel appreciated, to feel seen? Why? And this is where Jesus speaks to me and I think to so many of us. Because we are busy people, and we are anxious people, and we are worried people. And I think Jesus wants to ask us, why? 
I'll tell a bad story on myself from a number of years ago when I was serving at another church. I had come in and parked in the parking lot um, first thing in the morning. I was the first one there. And there had been some event at the church the night before. So there was a lot of trash, a lot of garbage. Hadn't all made it into the garbage bins. And the animals had helped themselves to it overnight. And so the parking lot was just covered with garbage and like nasty, yucky garbage. And I sat in my car and I thought for a second, is there any way I can just walk in and pretend I didn't see this? And I thought, no, I can't. So I went in and I got the garbage bags and I came out and I was collecting the garbage. And this thought went through my head, like fully formed, like, I hope someone pulls in and sees me collecting this garbage. (laughs) And I just had to stop myself and say, God, I am sorry. Like, I don't know what that was in me, but that was ugly, and I am sorry. So often we are busy and we are anxious doing things. Why? Then, because I wanted someone to see me doing the ugly, nasty work, because that was going to make me feel valuable and appreciated. So next time you find yourself going to Jesus with a grumbling heart, with prayers that say, God, I do X and I do Y and I do Z and nobody seems to notice, and how hard would it be for you just to get people to appreciate me a little bit more? If you have ever prayed a prayer that sounds anything like that, I want you to hear Jesus' voice. I want you to hear him call your name with love and with tenderness. I want you to hear him say to you, you are anxious and busy with so many things. Why? And when you hear Jesus say that, I want you to just let that why hang there for a little while. And then I want you to actually try to answer it. Not with all of the excuses that come to us so readily. But I want you to dare to say, here's why. Here's what I'm actually afraid of. Here's where I want someone to value me because I'm afraid I don't have any value. Here's why I want someone to notice me because I'm afraid I'm always unnoticed. Here's why. That, I think, is actually the greatest point of this story. It's the point where Martha and we actually talk to Jesus in real and personal and honest ways. And we tell him what we actually really want. Because doing that is part of intimacy. It's what Jesus had with his Father, and it's what he wanted to teach his followers to have with their Heavenly Father, too. And it's actually where I think Martha often gets short shrift in this story. Because if there's anything that she does right here, it's that she has intimacy with Jesus. I mean, you don't march up to somebody you don't know or don't feel comfortable with and call out your own sister in front of him and ask him to do something about it. 
Martha clearly feels really comfortable with Jesus. And Jesus is really clearly comfortable with her. And in fact, it's this intimacy that exists between them that allows Jesus to get in there and to gently correct Martha and to challenge her and to grow her in what it means to be his disciple. So Martha's intimacy with Jesus was the source of her discipleship. And increased intimacy with Jesus was the fruit of her discipleship. And the same thing is true for us. Intimacy with Jesus is both the source and the fruit of our discipleship. So what does it mean to have intimacy with Jesus? Well, it means to talk to him. To talk with him like you talk with your closest friend over a cup of coffee, a round of golf. Intimacy with Jesus means you talk to him about what you want, about what you need, about what you're angry about, what you're afraid of, what you hope for. You talk to Jesus, and then you listen. You listen for what he might have to say. Now, very rarely do we audibly hear the voice of Jesus. But there are so many ways that he speaks to us. Sometimes when we are listening, there may be a passage of scripture that comes to mind that speaks to our situation. Sometimes we may find that there is an image that we get in our heads that speaks to our situation. Sometimes there is just an inner sense of knowing deep down this, this is from God. If you'd like to learn more about how to listen for the voice of God and recognize it, the forming class that Fran and Ray are teaching again this coming fall is excellent at that. But it is so important that when we talk to Jesus, we actually listen as well. Because Jesus hears us and he responds. It is true, he does not necessarily respond with what we ask for. I mean, Martha asked Jesus, would you make my sister get up and help me? And that is not how Jesus responds. It's not what he gives her. What he gives her is access to himself. He pulls her into relationship with him, and he says, here, just enjoy being with me. And that is what Jesus promises us, too. That when we go to him in intimate conversation, he will respond. And he will respond with nothing less than his Holy Spirit living in us. And that is the great hope of this passage to me. That Jesus calls us into intimacy with him, and then he gives us everything we need to have that intimacy with him. That intimacy is the source of our discipleship, and it is the fruit of our discipleship. And what that kind of intimate relationship with Jesus creates is a life that is not driven by busyness, by fear or anxiety or worry 
or by the need to feel noticed and appreciated. What intimacy with Jesus creates is a life full of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is what we need. It's what we so desperately want. It is what only God can provide. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.